During this tough and uncertain time, a lot of us are finding a little bit more time to pursue our hobbies and passions. Does that sound like you? Would you like to learn more about interior design? Well, you'll want to check out my online classes. They cover topics ranging from feng shui and artwork to furniture and my favorite stores. You can find out more about them and start the online classes today by going to affordableinteriordesign.com and clicking on the shop tab. There you will see my online classes, the bundle of three for $99. Additionally, when you purchase that value pack of three classes, you're also going to get a signed copy of my book absolutely free. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the shop tag and start your online classes today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everybody. I hope you're safe, well, um, enjoying the summer. Uh, summer is my favorite time of year, and while it's very different this year, and I um, am looking forward to very different things than I normally look forward to in the summer. Now I'm looking ho- forward to home projects and um, spending more time with my family, even though I've certainly gotten a lot of that. But, uh, you know, we still want to build in things that that we can get excited about, even when there's no summer camp and no vacations. So I'm looking for those. And I hope that one of those things for you is this podcast. I hope that you look forward to it giving you a distraction, maybe being a lighter note in your day. As you guys know, I'm a huge podcast fan, and I've been gravitating towards all those fun, mindless podcasts that don't get too deep, that don't talk about the news, that don't talk about what's going on because I just can't handle it anymore. I need a little reprieve um, when the rest of my day is threaded with these things. But that doesn't mean I want to shut it out completely. That doesn't mean I don't want to do my part. And uh, the part that I can do is by helping financially during this time with causes that I care about that will hopefully support um, what's going on in the world and in our country. So at Affordable Interior Design for the month of June, we are giving 10% of all revenue to Together Rising, a charity that helps um, with a lot of these causes that are going on right now that addresses um, current needs in terms of the landscape of what's happening right now and sets out to fix it right now. And I think that's so timely as things keep changing and there's so many different obstacles in front of us this summer. Um, I love giving to a charity that I know is on the pulse. So if you work with Affordable Interior Design in the month of June, whether you order our online classes, whether you buy my book from your from our website, excuse me, whether you decide to join the academy and become an interior designer and open your own thing by taking our intensive course, or whether you decide to hire us to virtually design one of your rooms, you can work with myself or one of my amazing designers. Um, That would be a great way that not only would you help support our local business that is, of course, suffering during this time, but also we really want to give back. And we realize that our suffering is um, small. 
on the continuum of suffering that's happening right now. Ours is so small. So how can we give back at a time when we have little time and energy? What with homeschooling, working, trying to keep a small business afloat? Well, the only way I can think of right now that I have the bandwidth for is financial. And so I'm excited to give back in that way to Together Rising. Check them out yourself. Maybe you want to donate directly to them, which would be awesome as well. All right. Um, Let's get to some lighthearted stuff because that's what I need right now. Maybe you do too. My first uh, email comes from Mariah. Mariah writes, good morning. I have been listening to your podcast for some mental distraction from my life. Well, there you go. Mariah's on board. I feel the same way, Mariah. Here's a question from uh, me for your mailbag, you write. We are building a very skinny hallway that leads from our mudroom to our bedroom. The hallway is constructed from eight sliding doors. Hidden behind the doors are laundry, linens, clothing, and utilities. We live in a very small house. Every inch counts. We have had to make a section bump out due to plumbing. My husband is building this hallway, and it is a work in progress. At As you will note, excuse me, the trim is not installed in many locations yet. I have two questions about this space. What color should we paint the walls and the doors of this skinny hallway? The color palette for the house is simply white, stratton blue in the mudroom, newberry port blue, soon to be our bedroom color, and hush in the adjacent kitchen. The shiplap ceiling will be painted simply white to match the rest of the house. The trim throughout the house is stained dark warm brown. The floor in this part of the house is rectangular dark slate tiles. We are going for a relaxed Nantucket style. All right, so let's look at this because um, there's a lot going on. And it depends, you know, these are a ton of doors and there's actually very little wall in this area. Um, As you mentioned, it's kind of a hallway built exclusively of sliding doors. I can't figure out if you're asking me what color to paint the doors or what color to paint the tiny pieces of wall or trim that I see. Um, One thing I will say, because I don't really have a sense uh, of that answer, But I will say that this is kind of a strange thing to do. I understand why you're doing it, to get the extra storage, to conceal those utilities, but lining a hallway with doors um, is a whole lot of look, and it's not exactly sophisticated. You may not want to draw too much attention to it. You may want it to just blend, feel fresh and clean, and kind of transport you from one space in the home to the other space. You also don't want to fall into the trap of my Skittles effect, right? Where I'm seeing so many colors from one area that it can look disjointed and overly designed. You want to keep it sophisticated and stick with two colors and then shades of those colors. Either you could work with the neutral in this case Or you could do a shade of one of the colors from the rooms that this hallway opens up into. Uh, I might just keep it hush. Uh, I think that's the safest answer. But as I said, I can't really get a sense of if you're painting the doors or not. Um, Let me get to your next question. With the awkward bump out section of the hallway and the mini wall, what could we do to embrace this unique layout? It feels like none of the sight lines match up. Should we do a square rug in the wider section of the hall or no rug? Should we hang a wall sconce on the mini wall? All right. 
I'm going to be pretty brutal here, Mariah. It sounds like you've listened to my podcast before. sounds like you know me and you know I'm a very straight shooter. I'm going to use an expression that I'm loath to use, but it really feels like it fits. We do not want to put lipstick on a pig. Your little wall that juts out due to the utilities is not a feature, is not something that we want to draw attention to. And we're not going to put lipstick on this little piggy by installing a wall sconce. I also think putting a rug in this area, if it's not absolutely needed, tends to draw attention to this weird layout as well. Since the hallway is not just one long open space, since it does have a wider part and a narrower part, you're essentially left with this L shape on the slate floors that's quite conspicuous because the floors are so dark and the walls or doors are so light. I think I would put no rug in this area if you don't need one if it's not utilitarian, and I would just consider this a passageway. It's so narrow as well that it's not like you get a lot of perspective. It's not like you're in this hallway for very long or you're seeing this hallway from lots of different vantage points. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. And I'm not calling you stupid. I'm just referring back to that old expression that I think really fits the bill here. How about keep it simple, silly? How about that? All right, and you end your email by saying, we love how the space functions and hides all of our essentials, but I'm trying to make it look cohesive and intentional. Pictures are attached for reference. Thanks for your suggestions. Yes, Mariah, I referenced those pictures, and I've given you my opinion. I sure hope that helps. Let us know what you decide to do. Let's get to my next question, which is from Tabitha. Tabitha writes... Hello, Betsy. I hope you are well. I love your podcast. I have a question designing my formal living room. This room is an open plan and it's off the kitchen. I've decided to cozy it up a little bit. I want to wallpaper the area with a darker gray silk. My question is about the rug and window treatments in here. You can see the green tape on the floor. Would this area be okay size-wise? It's just under the front two legs of the two sofas sitting opposite each other for a rug. Would you suggest a patterned rug or a plain rug? I have my eye on the two rugs that I've attached. Also, I really dislike the Roman blind in here. I'd like it to be plainer and to match curtains that would cover the bifolds. Do you think the fabric choice with the trim would be all right? And the height my blind is now, is it correct? Or should I hang it from the ceiling or even higher? If you could offer any advice about this room, I am prepared for smackdowns. Ha ha. Thank you so much, Tabitha. Tabitha, you know I don't love to get a smackdown unless I have to. Um, so looking at this, I think that you have placed the rug properly. Basically, what you have done is you have two sofas opposite each other. And perpendicular to the sofas on the right-hand side, you have a wall with a TV and a fireplace. And on the left-hand side, it looks like it opens up to a different room. You have placed your tape marks so that the rug would fall about halfway or three-quarters of the way under each sofa and so that it's wider than each sofa. That is right on. That's just what you should do. I do think that this room is starting to feel cramped. I mean, you didn't ask, but I'm giving you my smackdown. 
you have a huge squared coffee table between these two sofas, which I like because it can service both sofas at the same time. But then you have a console table behind one of the sofas and it feels so tight because the console is actually against the wall. It's not a sofa table and it's actually higher than the sofa. So it's definitely not a sofa table and it really feels jammed in there. Must you have that table? It's very accessorized, which looks a little bit cluttery compared with the really sophisticated styling of the rest of the room. And it's just wedged in there. I actually don't mind the fabric on the Roman blinds, which is kind of a wavy, hmm, I wonder how to about this. It's not quite a trellis pattern, but it's on cream and it looks to be a deep gray beige that's kind of a wavy. Um, it seems to be sort of a wavy pattern. I do like it. I don't love it. I do think that the contrast is pretty intense for such a subdued room. The rest of the room plays with these really nuanced and subtle grays and beiges and creams. So I feel like having this high contrast Roman blind does feel somewhat out of place. I can see why you may want to change it, even though it doesn't completely bother me. But if you're going to add more of this fabric, say in drapes that would cover those bifold doors that lead out onto the patio, then I think it would become too much. So I think your instinct is right that you're going to eliminate that fabric and do a new fabric. I like the idea of doing a pattern because it's against this silk wallpaper, which has a subtle differentiation but no pattern. So doing a solid may feel a little too blah as there would be no other patterns in this room. I would coordinate the Roman blind with the drapes you choose to do on the bifolds. You have included a picture of a gray fabric that has like an off-white branch pattern that's quite irregular laid over the top. I think that that would be a very nice pattern. I like that it's not geometric, that it is asymmetric that it does feel pretty organic, that it does involve some pattern in this room because without it, we don't have any pattern. Uh, maybe there's some kind of super subtle pattern on the pillows on the couches, but I can't discern it from these pictures. So I do think the room needs some visual interest. And I do think that fabric might be a nice choice. There might be some other fabrics you could look at because while I like it, I don't love it. But I also don't have an idea for a better option right now. Sourcing custom fabrics is not something I do every day, so I don't have a mental catalog. But I might do something because the room is so sophisticated with less contrast. Because those cream or off-white branches on that dark gray fabric um, feels a little bit too bold for me. Additionally, one of the couches in the room appears to be cream and the other one appears to be gray, even though they're the exact same shape. And the gray one would be closest to the gray fabric on the bifold doors. I would recommend that you make the cream one closest to the gray fabric on the bifold doors. So that way you don't have a gray side of the room and a cream side of the room. I hope that makes sense. That is my two cents, Tabitha. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. During this pandemic, one thing has become very clear to me. It's that life is too short to not be living your dream. What is your dream? Do you dream of becoming an interior designer? If so, you'll want to head over to affordableinteriordesign.com academy. There you'll find a quiz that will help you determine the best path for you to becoming an interior designer. Do you want to work at a high-end firm? Are you hoping to maybe open your own business? 
Or is this something that maybe you should just keep as a hobby? Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com academy. There you'll find a quiz that I personally crafted to help set you on the correct path to make your interior design dreams a reality. All right, let's get to my next question, which comes from Carol. <clears throat> Carol writes, hi, Betsy, I need your input. Are the front floral door wreaths still in style or is that look dated? Thanks so much, Carol. I think floral wreaths on your front door are very dated. That being said, that is very general statement and there may be some wreaths that I am attracted to. I do love a wreath during the holidays. I just think there's nothing as classic, clean, and welcoming as an evergreen wreath. Something that's minimally decorated and stays um, classy, of course. But otherwise, you know, especially, especially fake floral. Oh my gosh. You know I can't do that, Carol. I can't get behind that. And I imagine you're not going to do fresh flowers in this wreath. So for me, that's always been a big no. I'm not saying I'm anti all door decorations because that is not the truth. Right now I have two children's drawings taped up to my screen door that are thanking the essential workers and may not be the most sophisticated way to look at our front door, but you know, it reflects what I'm thinking right now. And that's the great thing about a front door is it really sends a message to whoever's there. What message do you want to send, Carol? Do you want to send the message, I love fake flowers? No. You want to set the tone of what people are to expect when they come in or what you want them to feel when they are outside. And um, yeah, I think it's a thumbs down to the floral front door wreaths. Okay, let's get to my next question. Zachary writes, Hi Betsy, I've really enjoyed gobbling up all your podcast episodes in the past month since I found Affordable Interior Design. Your book is on its way from Amazon, but in the meantime, I do have a couple questions. My boyfriend and I are moving from a four-bedroom house to a two-bedroom downtown space that will be more walkable and offer a more urban lifestyle. Downsizing has finally given us the chance to thoughtfully consider our decor and what we both really like. We love to shop, but melding our styles together has been a struggle. I will include a link to our space so you can see it in its entirety, but the focus of my questions is going to be on the living room. The furnishings in the walkthrough picture are not our own. My style is leaning towards sleek, mid-century modern, but I do have some problems with wanting to pick and choose from various styles when I purchase pieces. Well, then my space looks like a mishmash hot mess. I am notoriously color phobic. I was flabbergasted and slightly panicked when I heard on your podcast that room should include three Roy G. Biv colors. I mean, I can barely commit to one. My boyfriend, on the other hand, would put every color in the rainbow all over the place if I would let him. Any ideas on how to start compromising on this? Yes. So as you know, I myself have started compromising from my initial podcast days, also from that book. Now, because so many of my clients are color phobic, because so many of my clients want the all gray room or the all beige room, or maybe they'll step out of their comfort zone and do a gray beige fusion room, but Asking them to add in color like gives them panic attacks. So I have also stopped asking my clients to do the 60-30-10 and we just do 60-30. I do bring in two colors. 
Now, 60 and 30 may seem like really large percentages, but if you're only doing a small dose of color, say in the artwork, the drapes, the pillows, and a few accents, 60% is just referring to that dosage of the amount of color you're actually going to use. It doesn't mean 60% of your room has to be colorful. You'll still overlay those colors on a foundation of neutrals. Now, when my clients are finally getting courageous enough to use color, the two colors that help them to get their toes wet as they're easing in to this warm bath of delicious color, the two colors that are the most easy for them to get on board with are blues and greens. Two cool colors. Now, as you know, I don't like the room to be known as the cool room with a gray foundation, cool, and then blue 60% cool and green 30% cool. We want to mix cool and warm colors so that the room feels more interesting and more balanced, less like a theme room. I may, if I was advising you on how to become more comfortable with this, suggest that maybe that foundation of neutrals is maybe that cream and beige family. Then we can overlay those safety colors of good old green, good old blue on top of that warm canvas and really get a better balance without incorporating a warm color, a Roy G. Biv color, like red, orange, or yellow. That's how I do it with my clients. There's always nice compromise there. And then if we did want to get crazy, if we've already created a great looking room using that formula and your boyfriend still wasn't satisfied, maybe we could pop it with a 10% yellow ochre, which is a deep mustardy yellow that may not feel too loud for you and will feel fun for him. Let me move on to your next question. I have enclosed a link to a sectional we both agreed that we like, but I do have questions. What is the style of this sectional? Is it mid-century? Transitional? Would it function well in the space? I'm open to any suggestions you have for other seating options in this sort of weird living room area. All right, so you have sent me a sectional that comes from Joss and Maine. It has a slope arm, so it has a slight curve to it. It has these nice legs that are like a wedge in an espresso or even black stained wood. It has some tufting on the back that is actually pretty intense in terms of its texture and very visible. It creates a quite conspicuous style. I would certainly call this highly tufted legged sofa either glam or transitional. It's not traditional because it doesn't have a rolled arm. It doesn't kind of reference a historical piece necessarily. It's certainly not contemporary because it doesn't have those nice clean lines that are so popular right now. So this is either glam or transitional, but you don't want to get too stuck in a style word because... You know, clients are always so worried about, Betsy, what is my style? Can you tell me what my style is? And while I can summarize it for you, you just want to make sure that the two-word phrase you create for yourself, that style word plus that feeling word, really resonates with you. So while people in my academy should know 100% what the different styles reference as designers, as clients or as lay people, you just have to know what you call it. 
Get really clear about that and then go looking for that. So if glam or transitional does not summarize the style that you're hoping for for this room, you may want to find a different word that in your mind makes a lot of sense to call the style of your room. Pair it with the feeling word and then you're off to the races. You ask, do I have any thoughts on Joss and Maine? You have not heard me mention them in any of my retail segments. That's right. So Joss and Maine, I think, got bought out by Wayfair. And I've always loved Wayfair for their good filtering and their amazing customer service. Um, Not everything is great quality. So you do want to check the reviews. And you do want to process your returns quickly. So that way you don't have any issues should something not work out as you'd hoped. I would never, ever ever, ever, buy a sectional or a sofa on a website where I couldn't try it first. Uh, You're going to be spending a lot of time here. The sofa is the anchor piece for a living room. Certainly if it's a sectional, it's going to be the biggest visual element in the room besides maybe some rugs. And you want to make sure that you love, 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 love it. Additionally, it's very hard to return a sofa or a sectional. So even if they give you no trouble, no hassle, um, you're still going to have to disassemble this bad boy, find a way to get it back in its box, find a way to tape it back up. It's going to be a headache, especially during this time when not every store is doing white glove. Not every store will come into your house and pick up this sectional. So you'll have to leave it on the curb and that has its own, you know, uh, issues and um, drawbacks. I would not buy a sofa I can't sit on, which means I may not buy a sofa right now when retailers are mostly closed for in-store shopping in my area. Of course, every area is different, but I would wait to purchase a sofa if it was going to be an expensive piece or the primary piece I'm sitting on all the time until I get a chance to sit on it. Or I'd purchase from a retailer like Room and Board that has a very generous allowance for returns. Like they'll let you return months later, uh, even though, of course, the shipping costs would be higher than at a place like Dawson, Maine. All right, you continue. Any tips on styling around the built-ins in the fireplace? Should we treat the sliding glass door with drapes or leave it as is? What sort of rug should go on the sectional or go with the sectional, excuse me, that we're thinking about? distressed Persian jute. Oh my gosh, am I mixing my styles again? Thank you so much for the podcast and feel free to give me the smackdown I'm sure I deserve. Well, you know, I don't just hand out these smackdowns willy-nilly. I don't love giving a smackdown. I love informing people who write me, but um, giving a smackdown is not my favorite thing to do. That being said, you know, you really need to key in on that two-word phrase. I don't even start a project without it because that's your focus. That will keep everything cohesive. And you do want to also consult with the space as you're creating your two-word phrase. What does the architecture of the home lend itself towards? If you live in a space that has a very dominating architectural presence, like a true mid-century modern home or a Victorian home, you can't completely ignore what's going on with the surroundings. 
you do have a new home that has a lot of transitional elements, whether it's the crown molding on the ceiling, whether it's the detailing on the built-in doors. Uh, This space really has a lot of transitional elements. Additionally, it sort of has this farmhouse feel with the um, ashy sort of very naughty and by naughty, I don't mean bad. I mean K-N-O-T-T-Y. Um, wood flooring where the grain is very conspicuous and there's a lot of contrast in the different planks. There's a couple things going on here architecturally that are unavoidable visually. You need to find a two-word phrase that will help you to marry those ideas before you start overlaying new ideas. But I do think based on your sofa and based on this space, Transitional would be a beautiful way to go. And when we're thinking transitional, you know, distressed rugs can be many different styles. It could be everything from boho to transitional to contemporary. Persian rugs, it depends, right, on the color palette. Oftentimes they are very traditional, but if they have an updated color palette, they could certainly be transitional. Jute is not necessarily the most comfortable on your feet, and it is more of that sort of beachy element, or we could even use it in a farmhouse to kind of play up those natural textures. Even though I have found that indoor jute rugs often shed, and those fibers break off and can be really pesky. Not the case with every jute rug, but with a large percentage of the jute rugs I have used. These are all things to keep in mind, but I think first you and your boyfriend need to get on board and create a two-word phrase for each room that you can both truly get behind. Then you can start thinking about the inspiration piece. From there, you can pull your 60 and 30, maybe even with a 10. And then, of course, you'll want to decide on that foundation of neutrals, whether it's going to be gray shades or beige shades. Zach, I've given you a lot to think about. A lot to think about. Maybe your boyfriend and you can listen to this together. All right, speaking of staying together, everyone, I'm thinking of you now more than ever. I found myself being very nostalgic and wanting to connect and thinking about everyone so holistically. I've been connecting with friends all around the country and all around the world. I speak once a week with some friends in France that I hadn't talked to in years. It's just a really beautiful time for connection. I hope you're finding that too. Reach out to somebody you love this week. Even if it's just me, you could reach out to me. You could write me a design question at info at affordableinteriordesign.com. All right, everybody, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.